0: I don't know about you, but the election results are pretty disappointing. <laughs> I don't even really check anymore. We do our votes, and I'm, you know, just, it's so, everything I vote for, vote, seems like everybody I vote for doesn't get in an office, and every measure that I vote against or for goes the opposite way. I don't think anything that I voted for <laughs> at all happened. I was really surprised the city of Watts, the uh, county, no, it was a city. I think it was a city. Only 22% of the people vote. That's just crazy low, isn't it? 22%? But I think that's pretty pretty typical, so pretty sad. We should exercise our rights, and uh, you know, to me, if you don't vote, you can't complain about what happens, right? Anyway, so, well, we'll just... Uh, get to Job and hear some more complaining over there <laughs> as we complain about our situation here. So let's go before the Lord and we'll pick it up in chapter 26. Father, we come before you tonight, Lord, and, and first we do ask that you would just um, move in the hearts and the places of those that are elected. Lord, um, you know, you're in control of everything. You've established governments, uh, Lord, for for your reasons, and we know there's a, a number of them, uh, Lord, but we just pray that, you know. As bad as um, a lot of them are, and you know, from what I know and see, Lord, I, we just put our trust and faith in you, and uh, pray that you, know, you would just continue to extend your grace to us. And Father, all those measures that uh, I think I typically vote no on everything, and, and just to see them all pass, and just to you know, get worse and worse, Lord, it's just kind of hard to see it's discouraging, but you know that's how you say it was going to be. And uh, so we just pray again that we just be lights in a dark place. The darker it is, the brighter we shine, for sure, Lord. And Father, as we, you know, turn to your word now, we ask that you would move in our hearts and our midst and do that great and powerful work that only you could do through your spirit, Father. For we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well... Um, we left off last time, ending with uh, the last of Job's three friends uh, speaking. Bildad was the last one speaking, and now their words are done. We don't hear from them anymore. Uh, they're they're done. They're over. And uh, now Job, from chapter twenty-six to chapter thirty-one, is really going to pour out his heart, and he's going to, you know, talk about what they said things that they brought up, other things that he has to say. So that was all going to happen between that and chapter uh, 32. Then another person speaks that we get introduced to that wasn't part of the three named friends, but he'll come up and then uh, thankfully the Lord is going to, around chapter 38, just uh, (laughs) stop the whole thing and and set everything straight. So that's kind of where we're headed out here today. And again, remember, uh, you know, Bildad's last words in chapter 25 were, uh, you know, uh, you know, that Job was just a sinner and he messed up and he is, you know, secret sins or doing this bad or treating people. And so he needs to repent and he's a horrible sinner. That's why horrible things have happened. And, you know, I I just appreciate Job because he doesn't give in one inch to his friends. By this time, I'd have been worn out. Okay, I give up. Yes, I'm the worst guy. Yes, I did this and did that and all this kind of stuff. And yes, you know, I'll just repent for all those sins. But, you know, Job stuck with it. No, I didn't do anything to deserve this in the sense of what they were saying. Like, I, I, you know, I haven't done these horrible sins. Not that he ever claimed to be sinless. He he never did. But, you know, as far as all the claims they were making about him uh, that caused these things to happen, Job said, just no way. It's not even close. Well, let's look at how he answers, and really it's kind of the final speech of Job. Well, he'll speak a little bit uh, at the end there, but really this is his final words as well. So, verse 1 of chapter 26 says, But Job answered and said, How have you helped him who is without power? And how have you saved the arm that has no strength? Verse 3, have you counseled one who has no wisdom? And how have you... Declared sound advice to many, to whom have you uttered words, and the spirit came from you. I like how the New Living Translations puts this. Maybe it's a little easier to understand. Um, uh, When Job, uh, then Job spoke again, how you have helped the powerless, how you have saved the weak, how you have enlightened my stupidity, what wise advice you have offered. There have, uh, where have you gotten all these wise sayings? The new spirit speaks through you. So I kind of like that, you know, in the New Living Translation, it kind of gives us a little, I think, a little easier sense of what's going on. He said, what help are you guys? You know, uh, what are you doing to, to for me, uh, a guy that has suffered so much? Do you think harping on all this, you know, you're a sinner, this is the way God always works with people, the worse of a sinner you are, the more judgment comes in your life and you have to be a horrible one for all this to come down. Do you think that's really helping? Do you think you're speaking for God? But, you know, we see that and it seems so obviously, you know, messed up and wrong. But, you know, I think we can find ourselves doing the same thing. You know, do we try to force our opinions or our ideas, or do we try to be the Holy Spirit in someone's life? Uh, you, you know, again, sometimes, you know, particularly when we're younger, you know, I have this, you know, maybe you've, uh, you know, did that a little bit more uh, than you should have, like myself. You, you know, you, you just feel like everybody needs to hear your opinion, because your opinion has got what's right on the whole matter, and, uh, you know, again, they need to hear it because they're not responding or they're not getting it. And so then we th- start thinking, well, we have to repeat it or I have to be insistent. And, you know, we try to be the Holy Spirit, which is wrong. Uh, it, you know, even if we have the right advice and even if you say what's right and you know it's correct and it lines up scripturally, that doesn't mean we have to say it. You know, there's a lot to be said about prayer. And it's always good to remember, you know, what is the job of the Holy Spirit? You know, He's to comfort, He's to strengthen, He's to edify, you know, He's to reveal, obviously, to to those that don't believe. But, you know, He brings comfort, strength, and to edify. You know, He reveals the Father's will to us, and so should we. And again, we, you know, can speak, and I think that's always a matter of prayer rather than a matter of response. And uh, again, forcing our opinion is just, you know, well, let me get in there and tell you what's going on. It's usually never a good way to go um, for a number of reasons. And that's what these guys were doing, and Job is just throwing his hands up at this point, saying that's not helping at all, it's making it worse. And that's typically what happens. Well, now Job is going to speak about the power of God. The dead tremble, verse 5 says, those under the waters and those inhabiting them. Sheol is naked before him and destruction has no covering. He stretches out the north over empty space. He hangs the earth on nothing. So again, Job you know, is really speaking to these guys. He said, nothing's hidden from God. Um, nothing's hidden from him. You understand that. And, you know, I'm telling the truth, and I know nothing's hidden. He knows everything. He knows all that's going on. And uh, he, he's understanding that. How could you guys come to a conclusion when the Lord knows everything, that conclusion, when the Lord knows everything, and I know that that's not right? And I like verse 7, and if you're you know one of those underliner or highlighters, I like he says, he hangs the earth on nothing. You know, this is centuries and centuries before people thought the earth was just hanging out in space, right? You know, the old ways of looking at it. You know, the, the world was on the back of Atlas or on an elephant or on a turtle. There was all sorts of, of thoughts, you know, because everything has to be held up in some way. And people just thought that forever. And, uh, you know, eventually the science catches up with the Bible Not the other way around. And, uh, you know, even way back in Job's day, which is, you know, again, very, very early on in man's history, um, you know, Job had an understanding that earth is in space and there's nothing holding it up. Anyway, kind of interesting little tidbit there. Well, verse 8 says, he binds up the water with his thick clouds, yet the clouds are not broken under it. And again, speaking about God's power, God's ability, and again, you know, as we talk about seeing God's creative work and force um, in this world, uh, you know, Romans 1 talks about that, that. Nobody really has an excuse. It's evident by so many things. You know, he just uses a cloud, right? Clouds collect water. Oh, they're actually water, and that's what makes a cloud, right? But let's just, for argument's sake, clouds collect water, and, you know, uh, they're made out of nothing, and yet they hold so much water and don't fall apart. Other than yesterday, they fell apart <laughs> over our place, and a lot of rain last couple of days. But, you know, he looks at that. Look at the you know, cloud. You know it's full of moisture. We have all seen those dark clouds, and yet they just don't fall apart. It doesn't make sense to us, right? Uh, you look up, and it's just part of the God's majesty and His creative uh, workings in this world. And then he says in verse 9, he covers his face of his throne and spreads his cloud over it. He drew a circular horizon on the face of the waters and the boundary of light and darkness. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his rebuke. He stirs up the sea with his power and by his understanding, he breaks up the storm. And, and again, just talking about his majesty and his might, and what he's in control of, all of nature. And of course, we see that presented in Jesus. Right? Remember when he 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 calms the the storm on the Sea of Galilee? You know, the experienced fisherman on the boat thought, "This is it. We're going to die." Jesus, you you know, might say your last prayer because we're going under. And Jesus told them, you know, why do you have little faith? We said we're going to, I've said we're going to go to the other side. We're going to go to the other side. And he calms the storm. And of course, those 12 guys are just blown away on the boat there, you know, and seeing his control over nature. Of course, Job understood his control over nature as well. Um, verse 13 says, By his spirit he adorned the heavens, his hand pierced the fleeing serpent. So he adorned um, the heavens. He, the galaxies. The galaxies are wonderfully decorated. You know, we see the Hubble telescope out there sending pictures back for I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years, whatever it was. Just amazing thing. And now they have the, you know, the James Webb uh, and that crazy pictures. It was well, not crazy, but just magnificent pictures of those what they called, was it two weeks ago or a week ago, the pillars of creation. I, I should have probably put that shot up. That's what they call them, where they said it's, this is the, the, uh, a planet or a galaxy forming and amazing pictures uh, that it sent back. And, and, of course, we know that's God just decorating the place, Right. Uh Thanksgiving's coming up, maybe you just decorate the place or decorate it for Christmas or something like that. You decorate it for a birthday. You know, that's the sense of God saying, I I I decorated, I, I made it nice uh for you, for my creation. And um uh and again, could there be somebody out there? Uh, could there be more in God's creation? Well, you know, he doesn't ever address that or say that, but we know how seemingly infinite you know, space goes out. And, uh, you know, what's he dressing it all up for, for us? Well, that's very possible, and I guess I suppose there's other possibilities as well. But he is just, you know, making it beautiful for us, certainly. Now, it also said his hand pierced the fleeing serpent, and again, it's a little difficult to understand maybe what he's referring to here. He could be referring to a constellation. You know, uh, there's a constellation and, you know, he put this beautiful constellation of stars together. Or it could be that he is saying that, uh, you know, there's some mythological creature that people, you know, thought was very powerful or something like that, making the heavens or something back in those days. And, you know, he was just saying that, you know, he's in control of all that. It's not some mythical serpent or dragon that's out there in, in you know space whipping all the stars together and doing all these kind of things. No, it's the hand of the Lord. And, and so uh, you know just the bottom line is just the hand of the Lord creating you know the stars and the solar systems and the planets and galaxies and all those kind of thing and all the state space in between right? Well, verse 14 says, Indeed, these are the mere edges of his ways, and how small a whisper we hear of him, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? So even Job steps back and says, Listen, guys, you know, he's powerful. He knows all this. You know, he would know if I'm a horrible sinner. I, I, I realize it's not me. It's not doing all these things. Look at the power. Look at the majesty. Look at the wonder of God. And, um, you know, at And just saying those things, we're just really scratching the surface of the majesty and the power of God. We just know so little of Him. And that's so true. You know, you could just go and think the most amazing and the most, uh, uh, you know, crazy things that we see in in nature or in the cosmos or under the ocean or in our atmosphere or anything in between that and all over. And, you know, when you put all that together, it's just not even scratching the surface of who God is. We know so little of him. But I think this also, you know, brings Job uh, the comfort, at least, that he understood and has received and even is receiving, even though it's very difficult for him, But this really does make a a difference when we're in tough circumstances, doesn't it? We know that our God is much greater than our problems or our situations. You know, if he's putting all that together and doing this and prettying up the universe just for our benefits and, and doing all these things and creating all these things, then what's too hard for him? you know he'll say that a number of times in 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 scripture it's one of those great verses that the lord ministered to me one time or a number of times but one in a in a in a, a kind of an amazing way it, you know what's too hard for me and if we think that we think of his majesty and then we look at our problem and it in comparison to you know putting together just the one little galaxy that we live in just the milky way uh, galaxy you, you know We can't even figure out anything, really, just such minor little details about the whole galaxy. And and yet, you know, he put it together and and blesses us with that. And now what's that, building a universe compared to the problems we have? He's so much greater than our problems or situations. And again, it brings that sense of, of peace and a sense of solution and a sense of rest you know, that he will see us through, and he is able to see us through. You know, that just really flies in the face of all this. You know, going back to the beginning, right? We we talked about this in verse or chapter 1 and chapter 2. We had the scenes of heaven rolled back. We have all the information that that Job and his friends uh, don't receive. We see this, you know, Satan go up and up to heaven and God asks him where he's been. He said, I've been on the earth. And then Job says, I'm sorry, the Lord says, have you considered my servant Job, you know, a just and a righteous man? He's doing all this. And then, you know, what Satan's response was, oh, he's just doing that and being, you know, cozy and up to you and, and is with you and does what you want him to do because it was what you do, what you give him, how you take care of him, how you bless him. He's just doing it for that. And then of course, you know, God allowed that to move away. And the Lord says to Satan, the next time he, he, he sees him, he says, look, Job's still the same way. I told you, it's not about that. And the devil said, well, that's because you haven't hit him personally. You know, you haven't really made him suffer in pain. That, at that, he would flee. And uh, he, he would split in a second. Basically, what Satan was saying is there is, no, uh, there is nobody that's in a relationship with God just for a relationship. No way you understand that? He's saying there's no way that somebody wants to have a relationship with you unless they get something or you do something for them or you protect them or whatever it is. It's because they're getting something out of it. That's why they hang in there with you. Because if you took that away, they would all split because nobody wants any kind of relationship with you just based on a relationship. You know, there's... Uh, uh, you know, you, you read it and you read the interviews and you hear the interviews of, you know, very wealthy and powerful people. And, you know, one of their complaints, understandably, is that, you know, they don't know who to trust. You know, they're they're powerful, they're, they're rich, they have a lot of influence because of those things. And, and, you know, people are popping up out of the weeds and giving them advice or wanting to help them or seemingly want to be their friend. Uh, I'm sure that person that won the $2 billion lotto on Monday, (laughs) has a lot more friends than they did the day before, but, um, you know, they don't know who to trust. You know, are they there for the money? Are they there hanging on my coattails because they'll get some exposure? You know, are they seeking fame in some way? Do they like the feel of power and fame, so they want to jump on that bandwagon and be a part of it, even if it's a, you know, not the main one? You know, why are they really here? Is it what they get out of it? And, you know, that does happen, and that's very common for people to do. But, um, you, you know, the, the devil's accusation, you know, proves in the end that that is not true. And that's why he always tries to move us away from a relationship and have an intimacy with them. You know, there's always that wedge there, you know, you don't want to do that because of him, or look how he is, or all the things that he throws at people to to you know, separate them from uh, our Heavenly Father. And Job is going to prove that you know, very on in recorded history of man that that's not true. He is and worthy of an intimate and personal relationship outside of anything else. And that's more important and more wonderful than all the blessings and all those other things that, that come along with a child of God. Important for us to remember that. Well, chapter 27, Job's going to continue with his long response here. And, you know, verse 1 says, Moreover, Job uh, continued his discourse and said, As God lives, who has taken away my justice? And the Almighty who has made my soul bitter, as long as my breath is in me and the breath of God in my nostrils... My lips will not speak of wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. Far be it from me that I should say that you are right. Till I die, I will not put away my integrity from me. My righteousness I hold fast. I will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me as long as I live. And, you know, here's Job. He's doubling down on this. Job says, you know uh, I don't understand why God has allowed this to happen, right? God's taken away. It seems like there's no justice because this doesn't seem to make sense. Because, you know, I, I, I'm what these guys are saying. I'm being judged for my sin, but I realize it's not that sin that's causing this, and I don't understand that. But notice what he does say. Even in that case, I'm still going to do the right thing. I am not going to stop, it's not going to stop me from being righteous and to living uh, for the Lord as I know I should. I, I'm not going to let that stop me. You know, again, that's what we all face at some point and maybe a number of times in our Christian walk, right? We can have the attitude, well, you know, Lord, if you're going to be that way, then I'll just be on my way, right? Uh, again, uh we can give ourselves excuses to do what we please. Well, I have a bad attitude, or this is happening, or that's going on. And, you know, so we have these bunch of excuses why we're doing that, why we're not living at the, the way the Lord wants us to live, and uh, doing all this. Job, Job wasn't going down that road of excuse. He said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to have a bad attitude and give up on this and do that because things aren't working out the way I thought they should or in the time that they should. And I'm not going to give in to the pressure you guys are putting on me to agree with your ideas. I'm just not going to do it. I, I'm going to do what's right, you know, uh, no matter what. what a, you can understand why God called him a, a great man, a great righteous man who, who, who loved him. He goes on in verse 7, May my enemy be like the wicked, and he who rises up against me like the unrighteous. For what is the hope of the hypocrite, though he gain much if God takes away his life? Will God hear his cry when trouble comes upon him? Will he delight himself in the Almighty? Will he always call on God? I will teach you about the hand of God, and what is with the Almighty I will not conceal. Surely all of you have seen it. Why then do you behave with complete nonsense?" And again, job is saying here there is no profit in being s- sinful right And just because things aren't working out the way you like them to or the way you thought they should or God's not responding in the way that you think he should or in the time or you don't like his response um, you, you know uh, you know I, I'm I'm not going to turn away from the Lord because that that's going on and I know there's no profit in turning away and being sinful. You know, Job understood, if you head down that road, where does it lead? Away from God and away from the intimacy that he wants to have with us. And what we do when we do that is we prove the devil right. Uh, you, you know, and his accusation that he's making, you know, against Job. We end up proving him right in this, in that sense. When we, you know, uh, you know you've run across people and maybe you've even thought of this yourself at times, you know, when they you know, say they are disappointed or they, you know, uh, are disappointed in God or or gave up on God. Well, I used to go to church and, uh, you know, but this happened and, and, you know, that worked out and this went all wrong because of that. And, you know, it just didn't happen. So I thought no more. I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going my own way. I don't know how many people I've talked to you know, in my life that have said that or something similar. Yeah, I used to do that. I used to be believing in the Bible and Jesus and all that stuff. But, you know, blah, blah, blah happened. And now, you know, I just been doing my own thing for 10 years now or whatever, 20 years or something like that. And and, and Job's saying, there's just no profit in that. There's no profit in being sinful. And, uh, you know, sadly, we end up proving the, the devil right. A person Uh, you know, is not going to get what they want from God, and they're just, that's it. Yeah, you're right. If I'm not going to get something out of it, then I'm not going to jump into it, or I'm getting out of it. And it's sad, but, you know, that's the way people are. I don't like how he's answering my prayers, or not answering my prayers, or not giving me the answer I want, or not doing it in the time that I want. And listen, you know, they can be very demanding. You know, Lord, either you give me that, or that's it. I'm packing, you know, packing sand. See you later. I'm out of here. And, uh You know, sadly, that's saying what Job is, you know, accusing the wicked of being like. They just don't want anything to do with God because they're not getting their way. Not a place that, you know, we want to give way to either. Well, verse 13 says this, This is the portion of a wicked man with God and their heritage of oppressors receive from the Almighty. If his children are multiplied, it is for the sword. And if his offspring shall not be satisfied with bread, those who survive him shall be buried in death, and their widows shall not weep. Though he uh, heaps up silver like dust and piles up clothing like clay, he may pile it up, but the just will wear it, and the innocent will divide the silver. He builds his house like a moth, when a booth which a wa- like a booth with, uh, which a watchman makes. The rich man will lie down, but not be gathered up. He opens his eyes, and he is no more. Terrors overtake him like a flood. A tempest steals him away in the night. The east wind carries him away, and he is gone. It sweeps him out of his place. It hurls, him, uh, hurls against him and does not spare. He flees desperately from its power. Men shall clap their hands at him and shall hiss him out of his place. So again, here, you know, Job is saying the wicked shall never prosper. Even though it might look good for a while, you know, that they're just that's never going to prosper. And so I'm never gonna go down that road. I'm I'm never gonna do those things. I'm not gonna do that. And you know, that's just an important thing for us to understand. I I I'm just not gonna head that way. But the other thing is Job is you know, is kind of going along with what his friends are saying, because that's what his friends are saying. This is going to happen, that's going to happen, and this is going to happen to him. And and sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't, as we well know. And, and the wicked prosper, and sometimes for an amazing long period of time, sometimes just for their, for their whole life. Um, but what we have to remember, and what we do know is this, is in the end... God will settle all accounts. And the great thing is, we don't have to. He is going to take care of it. He's going to settle all the accounts. And that's why the Lord tells us this in Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 19. He says, don't take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And it's again a thing to remember. We don't have to always prove our point. We don't always have to make sure everybody understands our side of the story. We don't have to always come out, you know, uh, you know, taking care of all these things. And you know, you just pretty soon the devil. One thing he'll get you to do is chase your tail and chasing down all these rumors and chasing down what people say and worry about that and correcting all this. Or somebody took advantage of me and I need to, you know, take them to here and do this and go to court and you know blah, 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 and that just, you know, there are six months of your life, you know, gone in this bitter struggle over something that we could just say, Lord, you know, you're in control. I know in the end, everything is going to get settled righteously before you, and you're going to do what's right. Therefore, I can just leave that in your hands, and I don't have to take up that mantle and make sure it's done and make sure that I'm proved right Or I make this injustice right, you know, people that have taken advantage of me. We could take a lot of pressure off our lives if we just really just understood and let that sink in and allowed the Lord to, well, repay or take care of it, you know, and uh, it's, it's a good lesson to learn. And Job's going to continue before he kind of hits the the dumps here in chapter 28. Now he's going to use the illustration of mining uh, to talk about wisdom, which is a a, a grand a great uh, thing for us to understand. And um, well, I didn't sorry I didn't put Romans up there. There's there it is. Surely um, verse one of chapter 28. Surely there is a, a mine for silver and a place where gold is refined. Iron is taken. Uh, from the earth and copper is smelted from ore. Man puts an end to darkness and searches every recess for the ore in the darkness and the shadow of death. He breaks open a shaft away from uh, a people and in places forgotten by feet, they hang far away from men. They swing to and fro as for the earth from it comes bread, but underneath it is turned up as by fire. Its stones are sources of sapphire. It contains gold dust. That, uh, that path no bird knows, nor has the falcon's eye seen it. Uh, you know, this just gives you a picture maybe of a mind, just understanding what he's saying here. You know, he's talking about how difficult mining is um, and finding those hidden rewards, you know, tunneling from underground. You know, there's great wealth there. That's what he's saying. You know, and even as good as the falcon's eyes are, they can see, you know, anything from way up in the sky. You know, they can't see all the riches and the treasures that lay underground that men go into this darkness to to find. And, and they spend this difficult days and weeks and months and years tunneling down in in these hidden places, as Job calls it, these dark places uh, to gain because there's great wealth found there. And he'll continue on with that and he'll give application in a minute. He says in verse eight, the lion, a proud lions have not trodden it, nor has the fierce lion passed over it. He puts his hand on the flint. He overturns the mountains at its root He cuts out channels in the rocks, and his eye sees every precious thing. He dams up the streams from trickling. What is hidden he brings forth to light. But where can wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living. The deep says, it's not in me, and the sea said, it's not with me. It cannot be purchased for gold, nor can silver be weighed for its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of ophir, in precious onyx or sapphire. Neither gold nor crystal can equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewelry of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or quartz, for the price of wisdom is above rubies, The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. Wow, Job just goes on to tell us the value of wisdom. To have this wisdom of God is far greater than all the gold and silver and the precious stones that a person could mine underground you know these animals walk over it people walk over it all this happens and they don't understand these great riches are before them and somebody you know takes the effort and the time and the work to go down there and dig them out and comes up with things of great value and that's what he's saying here that's what wisdom uh, from God is is to be. It's is something of of the greatest value, more valuable than than anything else. And again, we know people that spend their whole lives, their free time their lives just trying to get more and more and more and more and more, working for this and working for that and getting this and then having that and getting enough money and getting more money. I mean, I just don't understand these billionaires and multimillionaires that we have in California and you see them starting another business or doing this or investing in that or doing over here and it just, they can't stop. They can't just say, hey, I got $10 million, which is nobody, says but you know or a hundred million dollars that's enough you know because it's never enough And, and again uh they they just you know spend all their life looking for something and something and they what they leave aside is something far more valuable which is the wisdom of god and i'll like this quote i'll put it up here it says this there are many things that money cannot buy money can't buy a bed I'm sorry, money can buy a bed, but not sleep. Books, but not brains. Food, but not an appetite. Finery, but not beauty. A house, but not a home. Medicine, but not health. Pleasures, but not peace. Luxuries, but not culture. Amusements, but not joy. A crucifix, but not a savior a church building but not heaven i i think that that it's great you know you, you think money is the solution and, and you know just i i don't know the number and it just kind of escapes me but i i you know was it uh 5 or 6 billion lottery tickets were sold for when that jackpot went up. Maybe it was eight billion or something amount, you know, because it, it keeps rolling over and people buy tickets and that doesn't go and then, you know, people buy tickets. And I th- I think it was maybe it was eight now I think about it. Maybe eight or nine billion lot billion lottery tickets for this big lotto that just you know took place on Monday. And you know, just think of that. Just think of it if the number was eight billion and it's something like that. Uh, Eight billion—that's the population of the world. A little bit better, maybe, than the population of the world. That's how many pick people just in the United States, and I think Puerto Rico is part of it too. You know, but that's just a little island, and and it's not all the states. I mean, just you think of how much people spend just on that alone, not counting anything else. You know, we had these propositions in California too about allowing more gambling and sports betting and all this nonsense. And just think how many billions and billions of dollars people are trying to get rich quick, you know? But if I just hit this, if I just bet this right, if I just buy the right lotto ticket, you know, everything is going to be wonderful in my life. But, you know, you read this little list that's here, and it can buy those things, but what's really important, it can't, right? As that quote said there. Well, let's look at verse 20 from where does uh, where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? Is it hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air? Destruction and death say, we have heard a report about it with our ears. God understands its way and he knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees under the whole heavens to establish a weight for the wind, and apportion the waters by measure. He, uh, when he made the law for the rain and the path for the thunderbolt, then he saw wisdom and declared it. He prepared it. Indeed, he searched it out, and to man he said, "Behold, the fear of the Lord that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is." understanding and I like that last part of uh chapter you know last verse in 28 28 I think it's you know one of those underlining alignable things here you know uh what is really you know of true value Job states is that wisdom from God you, you know I said earlier you know you ask this does it have it does this have it does this have it And here again he says you know uh we've heard report about it and it's found in God it's out there but it's only found in him that that's you know uh, what's really of true value is his wisdom and doing thin- things his way that that's a, you know a, that's something you can't put a price on It's something you can't just put a price on and say, you know, well, this is, you know, almost as equally as valuable if I just have this. And, you know, sometimes we don't say that directly, but how we live sometimes, you know, what we're saying is this is of more value than, you know, what God wants. I, you know, I think, you know, you look, I was going to say, look at your checkbook, but nobody does this. But, you know, you go online and look at your last month's bank statement or something like that, you know, Where's the money go? Well, that tells a lot. You know, the things of the Lord even in that mix somewhere? You know, what what's important? To do things God's way, to do how he wants, you know, what what about our time? What's it spent on? What about you know, our effort? What does it go towards? What's the most valuable thing? Here's another quote I, I think it is, is really good. And it says this, Job describes, describes how men work hard and face great danger to find material wealth. They tunnel through hard rock and risk their lives to get rich. Why will men and women not put that much effort into gaining God's wisdom? The word of God is like a deep mine. It's filled with precious treasures but the believer must put forth an effort to discover its riches. It takes careful reading and, study, and prayer, I'm sorry, study, prayer, meditation, and obedience to mine the treasures of the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit of God is willing to assist us. Why are we so negligent when this great wealth lies so near at hand? And I like that, you know, again, putting what's important in perspective. And certainly I think, you know, Job in his place right here, you know, in the last few chapters, you know, is just really kind of pulling himself out of the, you know, the the deep darkness and getting a big perspective on everything up until this point here now for this last little bit, which is, you know, great, but Sadly, in chapter 29, he's going to start to look back. And it's a heartbreaking thing to do when you're in Job's position. You get to a very low place. You know, he's going to say, he's going to look back, this is what I had, this is what I did, this is where I was going. You know, looking back... You know, in a, in a position, in a place when things aren't going right and we're in a very difficult spot is usually a very heartbreaking and very uh, low place to take ourselves. And because Job does look back and sees what he had and what he did and where he was going up until the point everything was taken away, he's just going to hit a very low place. Well, let's look at verse one. Job further continued his discourse and said, Oh, that I were as the months passed, as in the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone on my head, and when by his light I walked through darkness, just as I was in the days of my prime, when the friendly counsel of God was over my tent, when the Almighty yet Uh, was with me when my children are around me when my steps were bathed with cream and the rock poured out rivers of oil for me so here job is looking back at what he had and again looking back in the past can be very crippling thing you know, I had such great, and this was going on, and this, you know, my children were around, you know, he lost all of his children, and, uh, you know, cream and, and rivers of oil, you know, and that excess was just, just showed how, how blessed he was materially, right, materially, and, you know, and, and he's looking back, and he's seeing now he doesn't have anything, he is miserable in his pain, and, you know, everything is gone, sitting in ashes, It just Horrific, and it's very, very crippling just looking that way. You know, Philippians 3 uh, says this, um, and it's a great reminder for, for all of us, and uh, I'll put it up there. It says, not uh, that I have already obtained or I am ready, already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching toward those things which are ahead. And I like that, it's a good reminder for us, is that, you know, I haven't obtained, uh, but I I know I'm not perfect, I haven't done anything, but you know what, I'm trying to lay hold of, of you know jesus and what he has done and uh you know i i I gotta forget about all those things what's behind so that i can reach forward and we have to be careful not to keep our hearts and our minds in the past because then we miss the present you know it's a hard lesson to learn it was a hard lesson for me to learn and i still trip and bumble and fall over that but you know it's It's an important thing to remember. And Job is just looking back what he had and what he doesn't have now. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. And and then verse 7, you know, he's going to start saying, This is what I did when I went out to the city gate, when I took my seat in an open square. The young men saw me and hid. The aged rose and stood. The princes refrained from talking and put their hand to their mouth. The voices of nobles were, was hushed, and their tongue stuck to the roof of their mouth. When the ear heard, then it blessed me, and when the eye saw, then it approved me. Because I delivered the poor who cried out, the fatherless and the one who had no helper. The blessings of the uh, perishing man came upon me, and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy." I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. Verse 15 says, I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was father to the poor and I searched out the case that I did not know. I broke the fangs of the wicked and plucked the victim from his teeth. So this is what he did. You know, he said, look how he treated others and how others treated me. You know, the idea is he was commanded a lot of respect. And even uh, princes and nobles and those that ruled, you know, would defer to Job. if They saw him there and he talked. Everybody would just be quiet and listen. And, you know, he sat down and did these things and, and, and he was so well respected because of his generosity because of his wisdom because of his love for helping out others uh, you know uh, it was you know he, he was treated with really the one of the utmost respect a person could and again this is one of the frustrating things for job he was living a righteous life and blessing others yet all this happened to him That was one of his frustrating things he couldn't understand. You know, if I sinned, well, I could understand why this is coming down on me, but I hadn't, so why is all this coming down on me? And so he looks back, what I had, what I did. And then he talks about where he was going, you know, before all this, the carpet was pulled out from under him, so to speak. Verse 18 said, Then I said, I shall die in my nest and multiply my days as the sand. My root is spread out to the waters and the dew lies all night on my branch. My glory is flesh within me, and my bow is renewed in my hand. Men listened to me and waited, and kept silent for my counsel. Then my words, they did not speak again, and my speech settled on them as dew. They waited for me as for the rain, and they opened their mouth wide as they can for the the spring rain. If I mock them, they did not believe it, and the light of my countenance they did not cast down. I chose the way for them and sat as chief, so I dwelt as a king in an army, as one who comforts mourners." So again, Job is just going on here saying, you know, this is where I was going. You know, my roots were spread out. Now the idea is, you know, I had lots of children. I had lots of sons. You know, the family line was going to continue all this work and all that he built build up for all those businesses he had. You know, it's going to bless them and, and provide for them. And, uh, you, you know, I, it was like, you know, a plant, you know, finding its roots near a source of water. You know, they just grow and grow. I... You know, we live, live by the slough, and and when we first moved in, that wasn't wasn't much behind our house at all. And I look back at some pictures, and, you know, now these trees are, you know, 50, 60, 70 feet in the air, and it's just, you know, covered, and, and there's just kind of a, a beautiful place, and the trees even arch over the... the the pathways, and it's just really beautiful. And it's because there's always water in that slough, right? Even during the droughts, there's always some water and they always have that source. And so, you know, they're healthy. And that's what Job was saying. I'm like a tree by the water there. Um, You know, uh, when I spoke, it was like, you know, a farmer waiting for for rain coming down. And they just welcomed it. You know, it was just, uh, you know, a blessing to everybody. And I was blessed. And again, Job is frustrated. though he was doing the right things, things weren't going right. But again, that's nothing new uh, uh, at all. And, and of course, we have a lot of warnings and a lot of uh, teachings along that same effect that don't expect you know, living righteous is going to get you a get out of jail free card, so to speak, right? There is going to be difficulties. There is going to be heartaches for those that live righteous. You know, Peter tells us that. And here's this verse in 2 Corinthians, which we'll get to on Sunday morning. Um, Oops, I um, didn't leave verse 14 there. Oh, well, Um, you know, we're looking at it on Sunday morning. We'll get to that in a few weeks. But it says this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but are not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. And the next slide says, therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And even the great Paul the Apostle, who was just, you know, following the will of the Lord, and doing, sharing the gospel, and and just really doing everything the Lord called them to do, to a a very great degree, as far as I can tell, in in an amazing way. And yet, look what he says, you know, we're hard-pressed, and all these things are happening, but he realizes, you know, God is still, you know, taking care of us. It's not, you know, we're hard-pressed, but we're not crushed, you know. Uh, We're, uh, you know, it's difficult and heartaches and difficulties and that, you know, are, are hard to endure. But, you know, he says we don't lose heart. And even though he said we're outwardly really wasting away, yet, you know, the Holy Spirit is renewing us and giving us the strength to move forward. And we realize that, you know, there's these light and momentary troubles. And trust me, when Paul goes through 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I wouldn't call those light and momentary troubles. But he did, and he realizes this is just temporary uh, and because it's seen, and what's unseen, what's happening, what's going to come forth is eternal and is so much greater and so much more uh, wonderful that I endure these things because I know what lies on the end. I, I have my eyes on the prize, so to speak. Well, um, I, th- I think we'll just finish with... Uh, with that tonight, we'll, we'll hold off there. I was going to try to do chapter 30, but I guess that's a little bit much. And we'll finish up next time with Job's um, uh, his last kind of words here. And then we'll pick it up um, in chapter 32 with uh, a new guy springing on there before the Lord busts in and puts everything right. Father, we just thank you again for these words and the encouragement, Lord, um, that you give us through this book. And though it seems like it kind of goes on and on, Lord, but, you know, those are lessons that you want us to learn and understand and know and have repeated to us. Because there are things that go on in our lives today, and it's just uh, as important and relative as uh, it was back in those days. And it always has been in every day. And so, Lord, we thank you for these things and help us to, to gather and to learn and to grow in our, our love and our knowledge and the wisdom that you give us, Father. Help us to be those that search it out and desire to have it above all those other things that we talked about. It's the prize worth trying to have. It's a prize of, worth attaining and, and working towards, Lord. Help us to to do that and fix our eyes on not what is seen, which is temporary, but what is unseen, which is eternal. Help us to be those people, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you, and we're good.